Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So good to see all of you. Just seeing your smiling faces. I can see you smiling. See your eyes are smiling. I can see you smiling. Lifts my spirits. And also, so good to have all of you who are watching online. Thank you for letting us come into your living room. We're thrilled. By the way, we do want to ask you, if you're watching online, say hello to your host, your online host. They want to send a little love out to you. And that makes them feel welcome. So if you're watching online, be sure you say hello. We really need this series today. This series is called Rediscovering Christmas. We need this. The pandemic has put isolation and loneliness on steroids. We, have, we are the unique generation in America. No other generation has had their schools closed, their businesses closed, even their churches closed. We need the message of Christmas, the lights, the sound, the music. That message, I bring you good news of great joy. If any generation needed the message of Christmas, we need it. So I want to step into the Christmas story. And let me ask, when God planned the first Christmas party for his own son, who would he invite? Would he invite, say, King Herod? No. Would he invite the high priest? No. Would he invite the wealthy people in Israel? No. God has all of eternity to decide who he's going to invite to the first Christmas party. And who does he invite? He invites the shepherds. He invites the people no one else wanted. He invites the shepherds. Outside Bethlehem, there is a small group of shepherds, and they are caring for the sheep. They have a tall tower, and two or three of them would be in the tall tower watching for animals. There are wild packs of dogs. There are also a few lions in that portion of Israel. And so these are rugged men trying to pass the long, slow-moving hours of the night. They're bored to tears. The others are either talking or sleeping. But suddenly, just like that, an angel appears right in front of them. And this angel is as bright as the sun at high noon. The angel's clothing sparkles like diamonds, and he lights up that Judean hillside like football field floodlights. The, the shepherds are scared to death. These rugged men, they're hyperventilating. So the angel's very first words are, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger. A manger, that's a feeding trough for animals wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Then thousands and thousands and thousands of angels show up. Row after row after row, as you could possibly see, and they're saying in praise, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those who please him. And then starting with the outside row of angels, they begin ascending into heaven. And as suddenly as they appeared, they disappeared. The shepherds' hearts are beating. They are hyperventilating. They are panicked. They're looking at one another. Did you see that? Did we just see that? Did an angel just show up? They're looking at one another, yes, did this really happen? Yes, this really happened. 
their breath is making little foggy clouds in the cold night air. They said, what are we going to do? They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. Us? Us. Let's go. He invited us. Let's go. And so they take off running. They're going through the Bethlehem pastures. They're jumping over these low fences until finally they come to the first barn on the outside of Bethlehem. And as they look inside, or a startled chicken announces they're there, and the homeowner said, hey, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, the angel said the Messiah's been born, and we're looking for him. He said, Messiah? Messiah? Where? He said, come follow us. He said, wait. He said, no, we're not waiting. They kept on going. They're in a hurry. They go to the next barn. No, next barn. No, final barn. They look inside, and there is a newborn baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And they, they motion to Mary and Joseph. Can we come in? Yeah, yeah, come on in, come on in. You can come in. They gently walk. As they approach the manger, they kneel down before the King of kings and Lord of lords, overwhelmed that they would be invited, the first group to see the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they regain some composure, like excited teenagers. They begin interrupting each other. Hey, we were out there. We're just watching our sheep, minding our own business. And suddenly this angel shows up, and he almost blinds us. He's so bright. And, and yes, yes, and don't forget what they said. We bring you good news of great joy. If you read the passage carefully, the angel used the word you four times. The angel is putting his hands figuratively around these burly men that nobody else wanted and said, I want you, I want you to be in the first Christmas party that's ever going to occur. After about an hour, the angels, not rather the shepherds, turned to Mary and Joseph and said, hey, hey, thanks so much for letting us in. We're, we're overwhelmed. I said, yeah, I know, I know how you feel. We're overwhelmed, but we got to get back to the sheep. And I, I believe, this is my imagination, but I believe they said, you mind if we come back? He said, of course you can come back. You're our baby's first guest. You'll always be welcome. The people that no one else wanted, God wanted, and Mary and Joseph wanted, they left smiling, shocked, and overjoyed that God had invited them, shepherds, people nobody else wanted. Why did God invite the shepherds? Well, shepherds at one time, they were a highly respected group because they were sheep owners. In fact, the Bible tells us about a man named Job who owned 7,000 sheep. There's another man named Abraham who is the father of the Jewish race. He also was a wealthy sheep owner. And then David's King David, Israel's greatest king, he was also a wealthy sheep owner. But there was a big, big difference in being a sheep owner and a sheep watcher. It's like the difference in owning a company and working for a company. Being on the lowest first rung of the ladder, like working for jobs day to day just to get food to eat. And the sad truth is that the lies begin to be spread that all shepherds were thieves. All shepherds were liars. Now, shepherds were permanently dirty. 
They rarely took a bath. They lived outside. They had terminal body odor. They never brushed their teeth. They smelled like manure. In fact, they were so dirty that they were not allowed to go to church. We don't want your kind in here. You're dirty. You're probably drunk. You're a thief. You're a liar. We don't want you. What a shock that God would invite shepherds, people that no one else wanted. Have you ever felt like that, that nobody wants you? There was a lady in our church named Susan. She and her husband came several years ago, and, and they were a little different, but they were staying in a motel across the street. And then suddenly, Susan's husband died in that motel. She was in shock, absolute shock. But some ladies in our church took Susan under their wing and began to care for her. The motel would not release her belongings because apparently there was a past due bill. So the ladies paid the bill. They helped her get her belongings, get her papers, get some things in order. And then they said, you know, let's, we need to contact your family and let them know your husband's died. You're down here on the end of America by yourself. It's okay. So the ladies placed a call to her family members in New York and put Susan on the line and they could hear what happened. Person on the other end of the line said this, we don't want anything to do with you. That ended the call. Our ladies were shocked that somebody could be so cruel to one whose husband had just died. They cared for her. And she explained, this is what happened. I am the product of my father's adulterous affair. And my half-brothers and sisters hate me because of what my father did. And they've never accepted me. The lady said, you're welcome here. We'll take care of you. Well, not long afterwards, her father died and left her a small inheritance. The ladies had to help her set up a bank account. At times, they even had to write the checks for her to be sure her bills were paid. They helped her buy a small mobile home in which she stayed. And, but then they found her, she was a little mentally challenged. They, they found her walking down Korea in the middle of the night. And they realized this is not safe. You can't do that. So they, they found her an assisted living place where they would watch her. And they put her in the assisted living, cared for her, and then Susan died. The calls were made to family in New York to let them know there's going to be a small funeral service. Pastor Michael held that small funeral service here. Not a single family member came. But today, Susan is in heaven. She's smiling. She's mentally bright. She's just as sharp. And I, I believe if she were allowed to speak today, I believe Susan would say, I know what it is to be rejected by your family, but I also know what it is to be accepted by God's family. But I want you to know, I have two very happy things to say to you. If you've ever felt like no one really cares for me, I have two happy words for you. And I want you to remember these words. I'd like for you to write them down. Not only will they help you, they can also help those that you know. 
Maybe you have a friend or a relative or a coworker who feels like no one really wants him or her. You could share this truth with them. There are two groups that definitely want you, and the first of them is God. God wants you. God wants you. You, you may feel like you were a mistake. Maybe your parents even told you, oh, you were a mistake, and, and they didn't plan for you. But you know, they may not have planned for you, but God planned for you. This is what the Bible says. As you look into his word, he says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. God is saying, I was there when you were born. And I was there when your chubby little legs walked into kindergarten. And I was there when you walked across that stage at high school. I have been there every moment of your life. I created you because I wanted you. And that's why you're here. God knows everything about you and loves you. This is what the scripture says. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. Some of you have heard, maybe from an ex-wife or an ex-husband, I don't want you. Get out of my life. Some of you may have heard the most cutting of words. I hope you haven't. Maybe you've heard, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You're a liar. Get out of my life. You've heard words like that and you wonder, does anybody really want me? Never forget, God wants you. He created you because he wants you. Our Lord Jesus know what it is to be rejected even by his own family. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. One day, Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. They were so crowded. Now, when his family, Jesus' family, heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. Notice, they said, he's out of his mind. He's lost it. Jesus has been out in the sun too long. It's just got to him. He's crazy. It gets even worse. Some teachers of the religious law, like experts from Harvard University, they came along from Jerusalem and they said, Oh, he's not just crazy, he's demon-possessed. He's possessed by Satan. That's where he gets his power. That's rejection. Jesus knows what it is to be rejected by his family and by his neighbors. When Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth, this is after, he has already performed undeniable miracles, undeniable. And his teaching is so powerful, it's magnetic. But they scoffed at him in his hometown. They said, oh, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. And they began to name Jesus' half-brothers and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters. Well, they live right here among us. Who does he think he is? They were deeply offended. And Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except, except where? in his hometown and among his, his own relatives, in the last few words, and his own family. They wanted nothing to do with him. If you've ever felt that way, I want you to remember God wants you. God not only wants you, he also wants to forgive your past, the past that haunts you, 
Remember one of the first words to the shepherds were, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, for unto you in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, one who will save you from the penalty of your sins. In our, in our more sane and sober moments, we realize some of our isolation is our own fault. It's a result of things that we've said and done that were offensive to others, and we've pushed people away by our own actions, and maybe you realize this is my own fault. Maybe you failed in your marriage, and you realize it was my own doing, and that's why I'm all alone. You know what God is saying to you? God is saying, I, I want you to have a new start today. I want you to have a new start. I want you to have a new beginning. BCF is a happy place because it's a forgiving place. It's recognizing none of us are perfect. We all fail. We even wound those that we love. And God says, I brought you here to tell you I want to forgive you. King David committed some of the worst sins imaginable. He not only committed adultery, then he had the woman's husband murdered. And for a year, it weighed on him every single day. Notice how he responded. Finally, he said, finally, I confess all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone, so rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. God brought you here because he wants you and he wants to forgive you. He also wants to help you become more lovable. The good news is that God will take us just as we are, but he doesn't leave us the way we are. God delights to smooth out those rough parts of our personality. And this is how he does it. A dear friend told me recently, he was at a party. He, he didn't mean to be offensive, but he told a joke. And he told a joke about his friend who was there. It didn't mean to be offensive, he's just trying to be funny. But he realized later, oh, I saw a little, little expression of pain. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And this is what he said, I'm quoting by permission. He said, the Holy Spirit told me I needed to call and ask forgiveness. So the next day, that's what I did. Now, men and women, unless you're perfect, this should be a frequent occurrence. For the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, you shouldn't have said that. You should not have done that. That was offensive. You need to call and ask forgiveness. Well, God takes us just the way we are. He doesn't leave us the way, he are, the way we are. He's smoothing away those rough parts of our personality. I said I had two great words of good news. First of all, that God wants you, absolutely. I want you to hear the second. We want you. We want you. I want you. Maybe you've been told and you've heard, nobody wants you. That's not true. I want you. I want you right here. I don't care what you've done or who you've been with. I want you. One day, a, a young lady came into our church, and by her own confession, she was an alcoholic. And she had dabbled in witchcraft and done a number of other things to try to fill up the empty places in her heart. But when she came, she heard me say, I want you. I want you here. I want you to be part of this family. And she thought, surely not me. 
surely not me. And somehow I emphasize, yes, I want you. I want you. And she said, well, I, I think I'll keep coming. And she kept coming. And she got sober. And today she's one of the leaders in our church. And her name is Leslie Galvan. BCF is a happy place because it's a forgiving place that will say, if you want a new start, this is your place. We want to specialize in helping people feel welcome and having a new beginning. So once you become part of the church family, how can you strengthen your friendships within this church family? And I want to suggest four ways you can strengthen your friendships here and feel even more accepted. Way number one is accept people's kindness. Accept their kindness. When someone wants to help you, let them. Maybe pride has kept you from letting other people help you. You need to put that down. Pastor Henry Morales, our children's pastor, told the parents in the children's wing, we know this has been a hard year. The pandemic's been terrible on all of us. If you are not able to buy Christmas gifts for your children, we would love to help you if you'll trust us. If you'll trust us with the names and the ages of your kids, we'll buy Christmas presents for them. We'll give them to you. You can wrap them, and they can come from you. The parents turned in the names of 30 children, names and ages. And we put them on little Christmas trees, and we said, these are Christmas angels. And we said to you a few weeks ago as a church family, we have about 30 children that need Christmas angels. Would you adopt them and buy them a Christmas present? I'm so overjoyed to tell you, before that one day was over, there weren't just one set of Christmas angels, there were two. Every child was adopted two times over on one Sunday. Glory to God. I mean, glory to God. If you want to become part of this church family, one of the things you have to realize is when people want to help you, what should you do? Let them help you. It gives them tremendous joy. There's a release of joy when someone is able to reach into your life and say, let me help you in the name of Jesus. Secondly, what else can you do to strengthen your friendships within the, within the family is learn, look for opportunities where you can serve. Few things will bond you more quickly and weave you into the fabric of the family. It's like when you begin serving with other people. So what could I do? Well, you could clean. After every service, we clean every surface. You could greet people. Just greet them with your nice warm smile. You could become a health screener. Everyone, every single person is screened before they come in. So I could do that. You don't have to be a doctor or a nurse. Very simple thing. I, I could do that. Thirdly, as, as you start to serve, watch for God to do this. This is something God does. God will draw you closer to one or two other men, if you're a guy. And if you're a lady, he'll draw you closer to one or two other ladies. You're going to realize, well, I, 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 have, I have a connection with, with that guy, or I have a connection with those two fellows, or those two ladies. That is God weaving you in to the fabric of this family I do believe, this is my own interpretation, I do believe the shepherds became lifetime friends to Mary and Joseph. 
They were the group that no one else wanted, but they were also the first group to come to the party. I believe they were lifetime friends. There's a fourth thing that you can do. So we want to help you find purpose and meaning in your life. You may feel like my life is hopeless. I am a loser. You are not a loser. God created you, and he has a purpose for your life. Now, I want you to do something. I want you all to humor me. This is not, easy. This is not hard. It's very easy. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on your heart. If you don't know where your heart is, you need a little help. Put your hand on your heart. Now, you feel it beating? I hope the answer is yes. Well, of course you do. Do you know why your heart is still beating? Your heart is still beating because God has a plan for you. The moment God's plan for you ends, poof, he takes you to heaven. That's why my heart is beating. That's why your heart is still beating. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And that plan and purpose is this. He wants you to influence other people. Also to know that God wants them and we want them. We say this at BCF. I want you to memorize this. This is why we exist. We exist to invite those who don't usually go to church and to help them become a fully transformed followers of Christ. People like Susan. People like Leslie. People like you. That's why we exist. Did you realize during this Christmas season, this is one of the easiest times to invite people to come. The Apostle Paul said this, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And what is that work? It is the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, it was scary. It was. It was frightening. By the way, you may be feeling a little nudge from God right now yourself. And it can be a little scary. But what you're feeling isn't something, it's someone. God the Holy Spirit is nudging you, saying, I'm talking to you. In that unique way, that I'm talking to you. You want to be a part of God's family. I want to give you a prayer from the Bible. It comes right out of the Bible. If you want to take a step toward being in God's family, pray this simple little prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a man in the Bible who prayed that very prayer. And Jesus said, this man was made right with God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Can you make that prayer? God, be merciful. God, be merciful to me, a, a sinner. I want to be a part of your family. I want you to not only take a, a step toward God, I want you to also take a step toward God's people. Here's a very simple thing that you could do. You say, well, what, what can I do? You know, you could clean today. When we're dismissed today, you're going to see a, a small little team come and they're going to be spraying with sanitizing and they're going to be wrapping, uh, wiping everything down. You know what you could do? You could go and say, hey, can I do that? Can I do that? Say, sure, let me show you how. Boom, you're in. Isn't that simple? That's a simple thing you could do. Let me tell you something else you could do. This is something my wife Connie and I have done for several years. It's a BCF tradition. Is at Christmas time, we give our biggest gift to the Lord Jesus. Because we're trying to celebrate, right? It's Jesus' birthday. And this is the way we do it. Like, if our biggest Christmas gift is going to be, it's going to cost maybe $100, maybe. Well, then we're going to give to the Lord in this little envelope here, $101. It's just a simple little way of saying, Jesus, you're first. 
my best, my biggest gift is for you. And at BCF, half of this Christmas offering cares for the needs right here in our community. But the other half goes to care for 3,500 missionaries around the world who depend on this single offering. Well, it's a great opportunity to say, Lord, I, I want to return my biggest gift to you. The Bible records that the shepherds went back and they were so excited, having seen what they had seen, they went back glorifying and praising God. They went back to the same job, but they were not the same men. If you look at your Bible carefully, you will see the exact same words are used not only of the shepherds, but also of the angels. They both were glorifying and praising God. Who were they? People no one else wanted. Bow with me in prayer. Maybe you felt like that, that nobody really wants you. Well, that's not true. God wants you, and I want you. And today, if you're feeling something inside, that's the Holy Spirit. And He's nudging you. Come on. Come on. Connect to your Heavenly Father. The Father who created you and designed you. And then connect to God's family. Let this family be your family. Heavenly Father, I will forever be grateful for the story of rugged men that no one else wanted. And they were the very first ones that you wanted. Father, it brings a tear to my eye. I want to be more like you and less like me. I want your love to flow through me that men and women could genuinely feel I am wanted here. So Father, take these few moments and use them, please, to honor your name because we've prayed it in the name of your son, Jesus, and everyone said,